I preach Christ crucified, see me, I died, it's he who lives and I How could I hide inside, this little inside of mine, I gotta go let it shine You're like, oh my god, he's good, he the I am Hello, welcome to Wartime Theology, a show recorded from the campus of Southeastern Baptist Theological Seminary in Wake Forest, North Carolina Where a group of reformed Christians tackle theological and societal issues for the glory of God The purpose of this podcast is to converse about issues that are important to the evangelical community and seek to provide insightful commentary that ultimately brings glory to Christ and helps upbuild the Christian listener. We ask and answer the questions everyone is afraid to tackle with open Bibles. If you have any topics you'd like to discuss, be sure to DM us on our Instagram account at Wartime Theology, and we'd be happy to, to tackle those for you. Yeah. Today, our topic is the depravity of man. We'll cover things like man's original goodness, the fall, and the state of man in sin. Josh, would you pray for us, man? Sure, let's pray. Father, I just pray to you and thank you for giving us this day to be able to worship you. And I just thank you for your goodness and how you're good to us, even in hard times and difficult times. Father, I just pray that um, for those who are... Um, going through hard times right now, um, especially during this whole crisis uh, situation, Lord, that you would just give them your peace and let them understand that you are in control and that you are good and that you keep watch over your flock, God. And I just pray that they would grow in true intimacy intimacy towards you, God, and that mm-hmm. they would just fall in love with you and rest in you and at your presence, mm-hmm. God, because that's the only way we'll be able to truly feel peace in times like these and in harder times god so i just praise you and thank you god and i pray that your spirit would speak today and that your word would speak today god and that it would not be our words but yours that go out today and that they may glorify you in jesus name i pray amen amen all right let's hit the ground running man and uh, we can ask first off we're talking about Human nature today, talking yeah. about asking the question, are humans good or are they bad? So, you know, assuming that there is truth and assuming moral standards exist, uh, right, these, these objective standards of goodness, do people, human beings, do people like those standards? Do they conform themselves to those standards? Do they follow those standards or those rules? Do they follow those rules? Or do they actively disobey them? You know, um, right. So just looking at people around, what do we say? So I think most people would say that they are naturally good. However, if we actually look at the world around us compared to what we find in God's Word as our objective truth, we find that's not the case. And even when we look at it in just a more social, socially acceptable moral standard, we find that's really not the case, too. Um, even if we're just going by what are the social laws of the land, like, for instance, how many people speed today? How many people are breaking just that rule? You know? Most people say, oh, well, as long as it's not something really bad. But you're still breaking the rules of the land, even if you're just speeding or whatever it might be. So we're always constantly breaking rules. We're always constantly 
um, making mistakes or not following the either the law of the land or even more so the law of God. Mm. Yeah, it. I don't think you really, if you're really being honest, man, like, I don't think you have to look far to just, to just know that people, (laughs) people are naturally selfish. Yeah. Just look at how people are taking all the toilet paper (laughs) during the crisis. I mean, just complete selfishness, you know, that they Mm -hmm. had to, at the stores, make sure we can only buy one just so that Mm -hmm. people could have toilet paper. It's ridiculous. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, it's not only... Christians that think this. I think most people. I think the culture generally wants to say that that people are good. You know, they generally want because the highest good in the culture is individual experience, and so you can sort of make up your own rules. You can sort of make up your own definition of goodness, and so people would say that generally that people are good. But uh, if you're going by (laughs) if if you're going by objective standards that say you do what is right all the time, um, according to these, according to the the standard of goodness that we know of in our hearts, you know, like the perfect goodness. Right. I mean, we're 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 just not there. Um, you look at children, even like right out of the womb. Uh, you know, we have a selfish nature. Yeah, and another another thing is that people oftentimes like how they view good you know they see themselves as good and they're constantly compromising how they see good um if you have a conversation with someone you can probably convince them that murder is good if you give them the right circumstances to it i mean that's what we have with abortion you give the given the right circumstances it's okay to kill a baby in the womb because whatever random circumstances they'll come up with like rape or whatever it might be um and so you can try to you're basically declining morally over and over again because well okay because of this circumstance yeah. i should allow this you're changing the standards right you're right because you're you understand that. that you're guilty and you don't meet that standard and so that conflicts with you mm-hmm. and you're like oh, you don't want to do face something. that you don't want to face the punishment so no. you draw the line farther back you right? have to view yourself as good so every time you make more mistakes you have to draw that line further back which then makes you make even more mistakes and it's just mm. a constantly ending cycle until mm. you start doing some pretty crazy stuff. Yeah. Yeah. And that is one of the best evidences, I think, of uh, human knowledge of goodness. You know, C.S. Lewis talks about this a lot, how people know in their hearts what is good. They know, yeah. it doesn't matter what the culture is saying, they know what is good. And so, We, we as people, we have this intuitive understanding without even being told, you know, uh, without even being told of the Bible or, or, or uh, you know, God's laws, the Ten Commandments, you know, the, the, the rules that God, God puts forth in Scripture, without even knowing the full details of those inside, intuitively, because God has planted in our hearts, um, we know what is good. And, and that begs the question, was there ever a time that humans were good? Um, has it always been this way, the way it is right now? Has it always been evil? Has it always been bad? Right. Um, depending on how you view things, if you're reading it through the Bible, you will, which we'll do in just a second, you'll know that there was a point in time that it was good. But 
a lot of people will probably, um, if they're like, since a lot of Eastern religion especially is coming into our culture today, they believe this sort of balance between good and bad, and you're just trying to balance it. So you can do some good, some bad, as long as you balance everything out. It's like a very Taoist kind of mm-hmm. way of viewing things. As long as you just balance it out. But where is that balance? You don't even know where that yeah. balance is. Mm-hmm. And you have all these questions as far as that's concerned because there's no... It doesn't work. Like, it doesn't even make much sense why you would try to balance it. Why not just do good things? Mm-hmm. But, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so... Uh, scripture is pretty clear about it. That, yeah. Um, like you said, there was a time... That humans were good. There was a time that um, people did not have this evil, selfish nature. Uh, they were not enslaved, to use some other uh, terminology there. They were not enslaved to this evil nature, to this selfish nature that we naturally have. Um, and uh, Genesis 1, very clear about it. Um, when God was creating everything in the very beginning of time, the very beginning of reality, um, God said in Genesis 1, verse 26, verse 26, Let us make man in our image, according to our likeness, and let them rule over the, flat, uh, over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the air, and over the cattle, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. And then later on in verse, 30, uh, verse 31, after God had created all these things, all of material creation and mankind, including mankind, which was the pinnacle of crea- creation because he, man, was, um, man, and, man and woman were... Uh, Made in, the image. made in the image of God, which is yeah. a special mark that humanity has. In verse 31, it says, God saw all that he had made, and behold, it was very good. Hmm. And there was evening and there was morning the sixth day. So, it's pretty clear. God saw everything that he had made, mankind especially, uh, at the center of all of that beautiful creation. And he said, it is good. Yeah. It is all good. Man kind at this point was the mediator over all creation we were god says that we were to um rule the earth to go and subdue it to take it over to make it our own um with only him as the number one and us as his number two basically mediating and ruling over the earth but as we'll see in genesis 3 something happened to mess that up yeah right so what happened after this um, that changed that good world? And there's a the, the Bible goes out of its way to, to to describe this this cool, like mysterious image of God intimately creating uh, everything that exists, and it's such a um, a wonderful image. But it doesn't stay that that image that wonderful image does not stay like that. Um, unfortunately, and it's all due to mankind. Um, In uh, Genesis 3, chapter 3, it talks about how um, Satan, who takes the form of a serpent, um, the spiritual entity that can come into the creation that God allows to be in the creation, 
comes and tempts the woman. So Eve comes and tempts Eve and gets her to sin against God, gets her to rebel against God, God's clear commandment to stay away from the tree uh, of the knowledge of good and evil. And Eve, uh, after being tempted by Satan, gives in and rebels. And Adam does the same thing. Uh, Eve gives Adam the fruit, and they both disobey God blatantly. And yep. because of that, this sort of cosmic break happens in the creation. It's not only between God and man, uh, it's everything is sort of broken now. Um, the description, this wonderful image of creation that was before chapter 3 is now tattered and broken and, and things are um, darkened man is darkened his nature is immediately changed and he is condemned because of his rebellion um, and through that one act of disobedience the world so humanity especially but the whole world becomes this uh, bad thing or not a bad thing but it becomes this this uh, I don't want to, maybe broken, it becomes this broken thing, but man, his heart becomes sinful. His, yeah. his heart becomes evil. His heart becomes rebellious. It is no, no longer good. It is no longer obedient. It is no longer walking with God in obedience and love and faith. It is rebel, rebellious against him, it, continually, not just... Yes, and... It's not that man doesn't have the knowledge of what good is. Man does have the knowledge of what good is. We know we, we know what good is, but we just choose not to do it. We deliberately disobey what is good to do what is evil. Why? Because we enjoy what is evil. Mm-hmm. It's fun. Yeah. <laughs> In the time. Yeah. So, how sinful is man and what is the degree of man's sinfulness? Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, so let's read the whole passage in Genesis 6 here. So uh, after Adam and Eve, or after the initial rebellion of Adam and Eve, they procreate, right? So they have children, and those children inherit the evil nature that Adam and Eve chose to have, chose to inherit by disobeying God and separating themselves from God. Um, choosing something over the Holy Creator. Um, And because of that, because of their evil nature, their children inherited that evil nature. And so their children were as evil, even more evil than their parents. And the cycle just continues. And the the earth is populated uh, more and more and more as the years goes on on, and um, humanity grows. And the earth becomes filled with evil people, with people that are that don't care about God, that that do not want good, that are chasing after pleasure and selfish motives all the time. And in, in chapter 6 it says, um, Now it came about when man began to multiply on the face of the land and daughters were born to them, that the sons of God saw that the daughters of men were beautiful and they took wives for themselves, whomever they chose. Then the Lord said, 
My spirit shall not strive with man forever because he also is flesh. Nevertheless, his days shall be 120 years. Um, And it goes on to say that then the Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great on the earth and that every intent of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. This next verse is really interesting and surprising. And it says, the Lord was sorry that he had made man on the earth and he was grieved in his heart. The Lord says, I will blot out man whom I have created from the face of the land, from man to animals, to creating things, to creeping things and to birds of the sky, for I am sorry that I have made them. But Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord. So God looks down on this creation and this is such a surprising verse because like at first glance you're like, wait, I didn't I didn't think God could be sorry for something he did. You know, it's not but it's not like he didn't see this coming. He definitely right. saw this coming and he's using it all for his glory, he's, he's sovereignly uh, pushing all these things towards his ultimate glory. But uh, God looks at this creation, the, the the pinnacle of his creation, the most beautiful, wonderful thing, uh, this being that bears his image, and he says they are worthless. Yeah. Uh, Romans 1 says that they are worthless. They are they, they don't want me. They, they they don't they don't care about anything good. They they don't they are murderers. They are terrible. I I I I hate them because they hate me so much. They they hate me and everything they do and everything they do screams I hate you God. I don't want anything to do with you. And God in his righteous indignation and his righteous anger he says i'm going to punish them because of their rebellion because it's right to do so and because they're evil people deserving of punishment Mm. Um, and then it goes into the flood narrative and things that many people are aware of right and this is just showing how much the society degraded during the times of noah and we know that it'll say or the Bible says that in later times this is going to happen again where it'll again degrade back down to the times of Noah. Mm. Depending on your views of eschatology, that is. <laughs> but in a general view, it's going to degrade back down to the um, times of Noah. And so you see this continual degrading of humanity in different societies. And a lot of times those societies would crumble but at the time of Noah it was a single society and you just see man slowly and slowly being given over to their own natural desires I would say that it's not necessarily that man gets more evil over time it's just that God gives them over to their own evil Mm. more and more over time which is what you'll see when we go to Romans 1 yeah yeah the latter half of Romans 1 um, really talks about I think I mentioned it uh in the last thing I said, but yeah, the latter half of Romans one really gives a full picture of human wickedness, <laughs> uh, universal human wickedness, not just a specific group or specific group of people. Did you want to? Yeah, I'll start at verse eighteen in Romans one. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men, who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. For what can be known about God is plain to them, because God has shown it to them. For his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world, and the things that they have been made, so they are without excuse. 
For although they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him, but they became futile in their thinking, and their foolish hearts were darkened. Claiming to be wise, they became fools, and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images resembling mortal man and birds and animals and creeping things. Therefore God gave them up in the lust of their hearts to impurity, to the dishonoring of their bodies among themselves, because they exchanged the truth about God for a lie, and worshipped and served the creature rather than the Creator, who is blessed forever. Amen. For this reason, God gave them up to dishonorable passions. For their women exchanged natural relations for those that are contrary to nature. And the men likewise gave up natural relations with women and were consumed with passion for one another, men committing, committing shameless acts with men and receiving in themselves the due penalty for their error. And since they did not see fit to acknowledge God, God gave them up to a debased mind to do what ought not to be done. They were filled with all manner of unrighteousness, evil, covetousness, malice. They are full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, maliciousness. They are gossips, slanderers, haters of God, insolent, haughty, boastful, inventors of evil, disobedient to parents, foolish, faithless, Heartless, ruthless, though they know God's righteous decree that those who practice such things deserve to die, they not only do them, but give approval to those who practice them. Mm. There's a lot there to go over, but what you see throughout that entire section of Scripture is they would push another boundary, and God would be like, okay, I'll let you... I'll let you go ahead and do that if that's really what you want to do. And then they just constantly do that until he just gives them over to it completely and they're just totally evil. And you see this, this is a societal thing that you will often see is more and more debauchery as time goes on in society. And usually what happens is God judges that society. That society collapses. Like what you had with the Greeks or with the Romans and throughout history, these societies full of debauchery, they would collapse um, and after that collapse, you would find a restoration in a sense of people coming back to God or at least thinking of them a little bit more because of how bad the collapse was. Hmm. Yeah, man. Uh, I really liked what you said at the beginning half of the, the episode. You know, it's a lot of times I think we can have a wrong view of, of human nature. We think we can be good or we can do good things. And, and not to say that uh, evil people can't do good things, but in the eyes of God, even those quote-unquote good things are not truly good in the way we would call them good. So, um, yeah. you know, I'm just I just think of like celebrities that give thousands of dollars to to like ministries and, 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 and uh, you know, Cool, uh, good, good nonprofits and, and, and purposes and, and stuff in the yeah. world, but God looks at all of our hearts and He says, even those things, even those quote unquote awesome, good, moral things that those people are doing, uh, yeah, I see your heart. Yeah. <laughs> and you do nothing good because uh, a lot of these celebrities that are doing this, and this doesn't only apply to celebrities, of course, but this applies to all good things done by people who don't know God, their hearts are not set on God. Their hearts are not submitted yeah. to God. And so ultimately, they're doing it for some ulterior motive. They're doing it for some motive that isn't saying, I truly love these people. It is, they're saying it, be, they're, they're doing these things because um, 
in their hearts they desire something apart from God. They're doing something ultimately evil. And Scripture is clear that even uh, the good works that we bring before Him are as filthy rags to Him. Because He sees right through us. You know what I mean? Um, And I like what you said about how God, when our human nature, if God were to take his hand away, yeah. you know, like even Josh and I, like if, if God were to take his hand away from, from, uh, now we're, you and I, we know the Lord, so he wouldn't like, he, I don't think he would do that. But, but when we right. were, when we were rebellious against him, before we were converted, before we were resurrected, you know, before we had a new nature, yeah. if God were to. Take, took his hand away. We would not be the the um, people. Would we would? What am I trying to say? I think our nature would be more clearly fleshed out. Yes. The the only reason we the only reason we think we're good in any sense is because God is keeping us from doing even more evil things that we would do if we had the freedom to do them. You know, if we had the freedom to do to you know to do whatever we wanted. Um, we would, if we were not kept back by the divine hand, yeah. we would be doing outright disgusting things. And in our hearts, in our minds, we already are doing those things, you know. And without God's hand, there, our society would not only just collapse, it would be destroyed. We'd wipe ourselves out. Oh, yeah. Just think of Sodom and Gomorrah. If we were all like that, how are you even going to procreate? Mm. <laughs> it's not possible anymore. Um, or how about if we just started to wage war with each other with nukes and things like that and just went all out because we don't care anymore whether we live or die. We're just, we're, we don't believe just in God. We're just desire. fulfilling our desires. We're mm-hmm. going to kill each other. It is not, you cannot have a society built up from just man's own goodness. It doesn't work because man is not good. It's Man is evil. And when we look at um, Romans 1 and what we're about to look at in Romans 3, you can see how evil and how terrible man is. But one thing I want to go over real quick is why is it important to understand how evil man is? Why do we need to know, either as Christians or unbelievers, why do we need to know why is this important? Yeah, well, because it's such it's such an integral part of the gospel message, right? Um, if if people can save themselves, right? If it's possible for humans in their own strength and power to be good, truly good in the the greatest definition, if humans had that ability, um, many people think think they do. Yeah. If humans have the ability to truly be good and truly meet the standard that God has set, then there's no need for a savior. There's no need for a mediator between God and man. There's no need for somebody to um, mediate between God and man because God because man can come into the holy presence of God because man is holy. Man has that ability to be holy. But he doesn't. (laughs) We do not. We do not have that ability. And so we cannot come into the presence of God. And we mentioned this last episode. We cannot come into the presence of God without dying. 
because we're so sinful and rebellious, because our nature is so different from his perfect nature. Yeah, he's so holy. Yeah. He desi- he requires absolute perfection before him and righteousness. Because anyone who's not righteous before God will die. You know, you have to be righteous. And understanding that we're not righteous is a good thing because if you think you're righteous but you're not, that's much worse than if you no, you're know not you're right. not righteous. Yeah. yeah. And even more so, as a believer, as a Christian, understanding how sinful you are, understanding how horrible and terrible of a person you are, you begin to understand how big of a chasm, how vast of a distance Jesus had to cross in order to save us. How the if you take away from sin as a Christian when you're preaching the gospel, you take away from the work of the cross. Mm. It is vital that we preach how horrible, how sinful, and how terrible we are, or we are taking away from the work that Christ had to do on the cross. So, yeah, there's a there's a little excerpt from a book that Josh just lent to me um, that we that we both own a copy of, and it's called A Gospel Primer for Christians by Milton Vincent. And there's one little chapter in here called Exposed by the Cross, and there's just a really good quote I want to share, and it says. It's talking about the sinfulness of of your... The guy's talking about his own sinfulness. And he says, Such an awareness of my sinfulness does not drag me down, but actually serves to lift me up by magnifying my appreciation of God's forgiving grace in my mm. life. And the more I appreciate the magnitude of God's forgiveness of my sins the more I love him and delight to show him love through heartfelt expressions of worship. Yeah. You know, so it's not, you know, we're not talking about the man's sinfulness just as an end to itself to say, yeah. man, man, you guys suck. We just suck. Like we're like human nature is the worst, you know, like as many people might interpret this to be this discussion to be. Yeah. Yeah. It's really, we're really br- trying to break down our confidence, break down the listener's confidence in themselves. Uh, because it's so natural for us to think we can save ourselves. Yeah. The, our purpose is is to break down your confidence in yourself, <laughs> as counterculture as that sounds, yeah. so that you realize that Jesus is the only way to, to reconcile back exactly. to God. Exactly, so that you run to him. And yeah. even as a Christian, that you so much more appreciate and understand and what he's done for you so that you love him all the much more and mm. want to go out and obey him all the much more because, wow, he did that for you. Mm. He crossed that chasm for you. And so we're going to, how sinful, how, what is our, what is utter debauchery look like? I want to go to Romans 3, which this is Paul. He's talking about everyone. In verse 1, or verse 9, sorry, he says, What then? Are Jews any better off? No, not at all. For we have already charged that all, both Jews and Greeks, are under sin. So he's talking about everybody. This is what he says is true about everyone. As it is written, none is righteous, no, not one. So that's like, no one is perfect at all. There is no righteousness in man. No one has met God's perfect standard. There's not a single one. Gandhi did not meet God's perfect mm-hmm. standard. Yep. Or any other you know, moral person, teacher, moral yeah. teacher, Confucius, Buddha, yeah. 
Yep. Whoever you might name. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I know Gandhi's a popular one today. <laughs> Oprah. I don't yeah, know. Ellen. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely not. All <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. All no one understands. No one seeks after God. We don't naturally look after God. We don't naturally go and seek after him. That's whenever we think we're seeking after God, that's really God calling <laughs> us to himself, really grabbing us by our hand and like pulling us to himself like, come on, stop being rebellious. Yeah. Naturally, we would never seek after him. We would yeah. never go after him. We don't understand him because we don't want to understand him. Yeah. Yeah. All have turned aside. Together they have become worthless. No one does good, not even one. We've all turned away from God. We natu- our natural state is to turn away from Him, to, and we've just we're just worthless. It's like what you were saying. How God viewed us, He saw us, and He saw we were worthless. There was nothing in us that He should look at us and be like, "I should save them." There's nothing mm-hmm. in us. Yep. It's just God. That's who He is. He decided to do that. And mm-hmm. We are worthless. No one does good, not even one. We're there's no good that we can even do. It's not only that we're not righteous. We can't even do good things because mm. doing good things requires that we give glory to the person who gave us the power to do those good things. Mm. And how can we do that if we don't seek after him or we don't give him any glory in that? Mm. That's a slap in the face of the creator. It's like, I did this good thing. Yeah. I'm better Apart than Apart from you, I don't need you, God. Exactly. That's exactly what it says. And that's a completely selfish motive and desire when God, who gives you the power to even be able to do these things, mm. is giving you the power to be able to do these things. <laughs> their throat is an open grave. They use their tongues to deceive. I, I don't even have to talk to you about how much we like to lie to deceive or use white lies and then we try to justify that like oh it's okay to lie in this or that circumstance you know mm. which is not true that's not what the bible says there's no circumstance in which it is okay to bear false witness mm. their throat is an open grave we use cuss words we use words which destroy destroy we use god's name in vain and use it as a cuss word you wouldn't use your mother's name as a cuss word, and yet we use God's name as a cuss word, the creator of the universe. The venom of asps is under their lips. Their mouth is full of curses and bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed blood. Jesus said if you look at anyone with hate, if you hate your brother, if you curse them or call them a fool, that is like murder. If you want them to die, if you have that intention within your heart, whether you carry it out or not, that's considered murder. And I would say... Everyone's probably done that at some time where they oh, just like, everybody's oh, everybody's done that. Yeah. Whether just in a moment of anger where you're like, oh, I wish they were dead. Yeah. Someone, everyone's done that at some point in time. I know I have. I have too. Even if later you regretted that, I still, in that moment, you would have done it. Yeah. But in our natural state, even more so, we would do it because we would do whatever fulfills our desires. Our desire, yeah. In their paths are ruin and misery, and the way of peace they have not known. There is no fear of God before their eyes. Our path will lead us to death. Our path naturally leads us to hell and punishment. We don't know peace because all we know is war and getting selfish desires. And there's no fear of God before their eyes. We have no fear of God. Now that we know that whatever the law says, it speaks to those who are under the law, so that every mouth may be stopped and the whole world may be held accountable to God. Mm -hmm. For by works of the law, no human being will be justified in his sight, 
since through the law comes knowledge of sin. So because of the law, because of God's law, we know we are sinners. That is the point of God's law is to teach us that we are horrible, terrible people. If we were to go through the Ten Commandments right now, I guarantee you probably fail every single one. Oh, yeah. You would fail every single one. Countless times. Maybe. Countless times. Same yeah. for me. Same for us, Josh and I. Yeah. <laughs> Countless times. And when we understand this, when you take a picture of Jesus and when you take a picture of Hitler, if you were to put us on a scale between Hitler and Jesus, we would be so close to Hitler we would look just like him. Right. If we're being completely honest with ourselves. At the heart level. At the heart level. Because yeah. he's Jesus is complete perfection. Yeah. It's not even... That's a whole nother. He's, it's, it's so up there. And we're utter filthy rags and unrighteousness. Right. We would be right next to Hitler, you know, doing all that terrible stuff. Yeah. And... But what's so, um, what's so great is that there was someone willing to cross that chasm. Yeah. Um, but it's important to understand how sinful we are. I just want to give a quick story. I know I've been talking a lot. No, you're good. But, Keep going, man. Um, when I was doing prison ministry, one of the great things I was able to enjoy was being able to see prisoners who had accepted Christ and how much that changed them and how much they were able to just be free in Christ, even in a horrible, terrible place like prison. These are people, one of them had killed two people. It was a murderer. I, shake, I, shake, I shook his hand, man. Hmm. This guy has killed two people. Multiple, multiple of them were murderers, maybe even child rapists. I don't know what they've done. But if I did, I probably would have a harder time loving them, to be yeah. quite honest. Uh-huh. But I'm able to see God's mercy and forgiveness in their eyes, and it opened my eyes to how sinful I am. All I could think about was, I deserve to be in here as much as they do mm. because I, under, I understand, you know, I'm just as much a sinner as they are. Yeah. I'm terrible. I've murdered people in my heart. I would have done it. If you'd give me a knife right there, I probably would have done it. I have done horrible things. And if there was no punishment, because that's the other thing. Sure, yeah. But I would have done it. Yeah. I'm just as terrible as those people in there are. And yet, that's not how we see things. But it's important to see that because... Man, when you see their forgiveness, oh, mm. it's it's beautiful because you see they know what true forgiveness is like because mm. <laughs> they experienced it. Yeah. Not that we don't experience forgiveness, but he who is forgiven little loves little, and he for who is forgiven a lot loves a lot. Right. And because now we've all been forgiven a lot, a oh, huge, yeah. amazing amount. Oh yeah. But because we don't see that, because we think we have been forgiven so little, yeah, we. We don't love God that much in yeah. that sense. Even if we are Christians, we yeah. if we think we're not that bad. We don't know how much we owe him. Exactly. You know, that, that passage is talking about uh, people that people like those prisoners that are so aware of their own sinfulness. They, yeah. It's such a reality to them. They cannot escape it. Um, that that they know how much they've been forgiven. And and seeing the weight of that, they 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 just fall on their faces and they yeah. say, thank you, God, so much. If this is the forgiveness you have on such a terrible person like me, then I'm going to share this with everybody because I don't even deserve to live right now. Like I I recognize your holiness and your mm. forgiveness on such a wretched person like me that I'm going to, I'm going to, out of love and thankfulness to you, I'm going to live my life for you, you know? And that's, yeah. that's what, that's, those are the kind of people that, that passage is, is describing. 
And uh, that you that made me think of a, a quote by um, the guy who oh Oswald Chambers, uh, who wrote the the famous devotional. Um, there there's a quote in there that says, "I cannot enter the kingdom of God thinking I can do anything for God." Like if I come in, if I try to come into the kingdom of God thinking that I can be of use to God. I will be of no use to God because yeah. I don't see my true nature. I don't see how useless and and worthless I am, you mm. know, uh, when com- and compared to God's holiness, you know. And so uh, Chambers goes on to say, like, uh, only people who come into the kingdom of God as an absolute pauper can truly know what it means to be forgiven and truly know the riches of the kingdom of God. You know, only only those the people like the prisoners, um, who are just so aware, uh, right, can know that. And even even that is not is pales in comparison to how utterly sinful we are. And mm. it's easy to say it, but it's much harder to believe it and oh, see yeah. it. And mm-hmm. so we need to constantly put ourselves in the gospel to constantly reflect on the gospel truths. You know, not just reflecting on only sinfulness. You need to go through sure, all of them, of which course. is what this this whole podcast series is about, is going through each one of them. But to reflect on each one individually, understanding the depth of it, you know, that God is holy, that God is so holy, and that we are so <laughs> sinful, yeah. and that Jesus is an amazing Savior, <laughs> that the punishment for sin is horrible, but that God has made a way. Mm. He has bridged that gap, that chasm between yeah. the two. Mm. He has somehow crossed the threshold. He has torn the veil in two mm. between humanity and God. Yeah. Yeah. Amen, man. Amen. And dude, as we um, as we just dwell on these truths of the gospel truths, um, the gospel truths that are laid out in a gospel primer for Christians that we mentioned earlier, the gospel truths that are mentioned in, uh, that are fleshed out in, in the Holy Scriptures, man. Yeah. As we just um, meditate on these things, meditate on these doctrines um, of the depravity of man, the inability of man to earn his way to God because of his utter sinfulness, because of his utter evil nature, um, dwelling on the the doctrine of of God's holiness, His perfection, His awesomeness, His uh, creativity, His yeah. His judgment, His wrath, His mercy and graciousness, and then um, the doctrine of uh, justification, how God justifies those evil, sinful people. You know, as we as we just wash ourselves in these truths, man, we see reality rightly yeah we see reality because dude i don't know about you but i am tired of being told by the culture or by just people i know that even if they don't outright say it that in my heart i'm a good person Mm. you know i'm tired of that because it is so contradictory to what you think would actually free you on the inside. You know, people yeah. people think that by preaching this message of of self independence and self ability and love yourself and things that they're actually helping the people that they're that they're uh, that they're talking to. Yeah. And when in reality, man, 
They're enslaving them. They're hurting them so bad. They're hurting them because they're making them think that they can somehow gain this joyful, fulfilling life apart from God because they can be good apart from God. Because that's what they're saying is, oh, you can be good by yourself. You, know, you have a good heart. You know, uh, you know you're, you're, you're a good one. I hate hearing that <laughs> because in my evil nature, I want to believe that. Yes. And, uh, yes. But it's just not true. And when we talk about things like this, when, when I realize, when I, when I dwell on the truth that I am not good, that Alex Renner, deep down, if he had his way, he would spit in the face of God and run the other way. Mm. He would kill the King of Kings. He would kill Jesus if he was still on this earth, if God allowed him to. Alex mm. Renner would do that. And Josh would do that too. Yeah. You know. And so to realize that that is true makes me just so much more thankful and, <laughs> gr- and grateful to God that he would have mercy on a sinner like me. And that that is what makes me go out and do ministry. That is what makes me go out and and love people and share the gospel with them and obey God. Yeah, and you know? we know from the scripture, the Bible says, what makes us free is the truth. The truth shall set us free, you know? Mm-hmm. And the truth is Jesus. Jesus mm-hmm. is the truth <laughs> and his gospel. And so when we, when we accept that, when we constantly remind ourselves of that truth, that is when we ultimately um, understand and begin to actually grow in God and have a real relationship with Him. Is when we abide in that truth. That's what abiding looks like, is reading the Word, praying, and obeying. And it's just spending that time reflecting on the gospel truth. Because when you're reading the Word, the gospel truth comes out in mm. every single aspect of the Word. And it's so amazing and so yeah. wonderful. Mm. And so... I would encourage you, even as we're going through this series, to constantly reflect on the gospel truth and, you know, every aspect of it. And there's more aspects than even we're going over. There's yeah. there's a simplicity to it and how it works, but there's also a complexity yep. and deepness to it. Mm-hmm. And so I encourage you to constantly reflect on it on a daily basis. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, man. And I guess with that, we can close it. I'll pray for us. That sounds good. Awesome. Oh, Lord Jesus, we thank you so much for (laughs) having mercy on us, Mm. for um, holding us back from um, what our nature would tell us to do, um, from just completely fulfilling our desires which are not good which are rebellious against you we thank you from holding for holding us back um, from that uh, we don't we don't we don't understand we can't grasp how much you've held us back lord but we know that that uh that you've held us back so much <laughs> if your if your scripture is true and if and if uh, you speak rightly about human nature and its wickedness um, then, Lord, we have been held back from great sin um, mm-hmm. that in our hearts we have already committed. And because of that, we are guilty before you. But, Lord, you are so good in that yes. what you've done is seeing the worthlessness of humanity, seeing the complete depravity and grossness of the human heart. You said, there's nothing here that would stir me 
to help them. There's nothing here that would stir me to say, I want them with me in heaven. Rather, you said, I'm going to do this because it's in my character to do this. I'm going to save I'm going to save sinners because it's in my character to do this. I am gracious. I am a merciful God, and I want to show them that mercy. I want to show them that graciousness, and and I desire my own glory for their good. And so what you did, Lord, is you graciously sent your son Jesus the third person of the Trinity, fully God and fully man, to die and be the sacrifice for the sins of those worthless, sinful people. And Lord, when we look at the gospel in its fullness, when we look at how much we do not deserve your mercy, when we look at how deep our our evil hearts um, yearn to sin and rebel against you, and we look at your response to that, oh God, we are our hearts melt. I mean, what what other response can we have other than thank you so much, God? Thank you, thank you for your graciousness towards us and your mm. mercy. Lord, we pray that we would continually be washing ourselves in these gospel truths, Lord. And Lord, that you would use uh, the ministry of the word to bring people to repentance to spur the church on to good works, to spur the church on to engaging the lost, evil world around us. Um, and Lord, ultimately, that we would be spurred on to give you the honor and glory <laughs> that you deserve, that yes. you rightfully deserve. Thank you so much for saving wicked <laughs> people like us. Thank you. We love you so much. We praise you. We live for you. And we ask that you would continually remind us mm. of who you are, Jesus, yes. and who we are, God, mm. with and without you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I preach Christ crucified See me, I died It's he who lives and I How could I hide inside This little inside of mine I gotta go let it shine You're like, oh my God, he's good He the I am Talking John 10, good He the son of man Dan said, been good And he come again Read the revelation Yeah, the devil